Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is off today. But we have Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin of Fox Sports Midwest, and, of course, Scoops with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN, sitting in for Randy again today. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Dan, how was your uh, your day off yesterday? Well, we were running around kids. We had practices. It was the final off day before the uh, the stretch run here. I, I just feel like we started the season, but here we go with the stretch <laughs> run and then uh, hopefully a long playoff run. But uh, it's good just to have baseball back. So that's the way I look at it. Now we're ready for a stretch run with a doubleheader today. So let's go. It's going to be fun. Let's go. As Dan said, big stretch run. The Cardinals open up a 23-game stretch in 19 days today. That's hard to imagine, Dan, that you're going to have that much baseball in the next two-plus weeks. It's great. Doubleheader today. Detroit is in town. Flaherty and Gomber going today. Cardinals need offense. Bunch of doubleheaders coming up. Talking with some of the players, uh, they said that doubleheaders have been lifesavers. Uh, they have been. Yes. And they've saved a lot of the, the bullpen. They've saved a lot of the starting pitching. But the pitching is starting to come back that we talked about yesterday. And the health of this team is starting to come back. So as long as they get linked out of their starting pitching, they should be fine. The pitching is what is to find this club. But they definitely need offense. And we'll see if they get that today. You mentioned that the players like the doubleheaders. Fans, I, I, everyone I've talked to universally loves these seven-inning doubleheaders. So you're saying players really enjoy them as well? I, I think so. I think they like it this year I don't know going forward if they would I if they got days off with it I think they would be open to it Mm -hmm. it's been lifesavers just because they haven't really been stretched out even the position players for a regular season it was kind of like okay summer camps here you got a few weeks to get ready and then go get them but uh, you know, gets them off their feet. You know, gets them back home. There's not a lot of off days, and they've been lifesavers for when I say that for the pitching staff. So I do think, and generally speaking, the the players have enjoyed it, and definitely I think the fans have enjoyed it. You know, because you start with the first inning and there's something on the line. Like the other day, Donaldson hits a three-run homer and you feel like, uh-oh, you're in trouble. You yep. only have a few innings to come back. So on the flip side, if you're the Cardinals, you get the three-run homer and with the Cardinal bullpen, you feel like, well, you're in good shape. So I do think the people, generally speaking, when I say people, fans, broadcasters, and the players, generally speaking, have enjoyed it. I do. Well, as Dan mentioned, when the Cardinals open up this stretch today, they need an offensive spark. 
The pitching has been as expected as advertised, but the offense has been inconsistent for the St. Louis Cardinals. Dan, when you look at some of the players who need to find another gear offensively, who's a likely candidate for you that might be able to dig deep and provide an offensive spark for this team? Somebody from the outfield. It's <laughs> got to be Tommy o- uh, Tommy Edmond, uh, who's been fine. It's either to be Tyler O'Neill. It's got to be, let's say, Lane Thomas, maybe a Harrison Bader. You're hoping for Carpenter. But with all the doubleheaders coming up, um, I think it's day by day, it's game by game. Now, with the doubleheaders, you're going to see mix and match with the lineup because you can't just roll out the same lineup every day. If you're Mike Schilt, you just can't do that. you got to get guys off their feet. But I, I do think it's day by day as you go along with the lineup. So you play the high end. If Carpenter gets hot, he plays. If O'Neal is hot, he plays. Um, I know a lot of fans that are listening will say, well, you know, Carpenter has been struggling, and you're right. But if a lot of it is dictated, if a outfielder is hot, then Tommy Edmond goes from the outfield to third base, and Carpenter sits. But if an outfielder is not hot, Carpenter plays. So it's a rotation of guys. I think that you just mix and match, and if somebody stays hot, they stay in the lineup. I think that's how they, that Mike Schilt plays it day by day. Yeah, in this stretch, you, you definitely have to play the hot hand. But you mentioned the outfield, and. Even though this is such a short season and and it feels as if we've just started, it got late quick for a lot of these guys. And I know for some of them that they haven't got maybe the consistent playing time that they would have liked to get in that groove. But it seems like one of these guys in the next few weeks is really going to have to show you something emphatically that, hey, I'm going to be somebody that you can write in maybe marker next year. I think Tyler O'Neill has got roughly 100 at-bats. I think it's, uh, let's see. I'm thinking off the top of my head, um, Lane Thomas around 30 at-bats. That's not really fair. Bader has been up and down because of the migraines. He's, what, 50 or 60 at-bats. That's not easy, you know, to sit no. there and say that, well, you know, did I get a fair shake? But, you know, the organization knows these guys. And, you know, as we – I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but to say – that we don't know them and didn't get a fair shake. Well, you, you kind of do. I've seen him in spring training. You've seen him in the minor leagues. You've seen him in summer, summer camp. They're going to get a run for the final couple of weeks of this season. Um, you know what you have in Carpenter, clearly. You've, you've had him around for a while. You know what you have in Tommy Edmonds. So, you know, see how it works out. Um, you know, see how it works out the, the final couple of weeks here. I, I would like to see Bader get a run because I, I have seen signs out of him that lead me to believe that there's something there. He's made an adjustment at times, not always against the slider. Uh, O'Neal is going to walk into a home run or two. Lane Thomas is streaky. They're all streaky. But again, let's see if one of them steps up and if they get hot, they play. If not, they sit. And that's the way I think that they go looking forward to the next couple of, you know, two and a half weeks of this regular season. I would love to see Tyler O'Neill be that player to get hot because you've seen signs from Harrison Bader. You know what he's going to give you defensively. Lane Thomas, as you mentioned, hasn't really had the, the sample size that we would like to see this year. But, you know, last year he was putting together a good string of things before he, he got injured. But with Tyler O'Neill, you, you kind of wanted him to be that offensive spark for no this doubt. team. So to me, when I'm looking at these outfield options, thinking hopefully maybe you'll get a Dexter Fowler back, maybe a Dylan Carlson will come back. This is really Tyler O'Neill's opportunity, in my opinion, to show everyone what he can do. Absolutely. And you think about the first week of the season, he was fairly locked in. He had the three home runs, or a couple at least, and he provided you a little protection behind Goldschmidt, and he gave you... 
Skipper. And that's something that this club needs. I mean, this is a team that does not hit for a lot of power. I mean, look how they scored runs in game two of the doubleheader. It was with a couple of hit by pitches. It was a walk. It was a pass ball. It was not generating a lot of offense. Now, they did score five runs, but it wasn't with power. They need power. And to your point, Michelle, O'Neill does, if he's right, hit for power. So what happened over the weekend? He had a couple of guys, a guy that hit an opposite field home run. I'm with you. I mean, if he's a guy that can give you something, then now now you got, you know, you can roll a lineup over a little bit, get back to him, and he gives you something. So, yeah, to your point, I would love to see him get it going. A lot of it, though, is dependent on having games. Like, if you had longer runway, to use Mo's term, you, you would be able to at least then say, okay, my guy, whoever that is, has got, let's say, a two-, three-week run, and he's in a rut. Okay, we're in May. So what? Now we got, you know, April, May, June. Well, June, he gets hot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he works those things yeah. out. He works with Jeff Albert. He works with the, the team, and he sees what he's doing on film. You don't have that time, and that's why you got to ride the hot hands, and that, that makes that job difficult, but that's part of the oddity of... of 2020, but I like your idea. I think if O'Neill plays every day, maybe he, he finds something. I When I was watching him last week, at times, he just seemed lost, completely lost. But I am seeing signs of him starting, to your point, come back and giving you something in that lineup. You mentioned the shrinking runway. These guys know, hey, time is running out. Hey, sure. this is my opportunity to, if we're playing music here, find a seat. Do you think that they feel that mentally, knowing that this is Don't their opportunity? I think they have to. I would think they would, too. So you, you that's another thing you want to learn about players. When pressure is on, can they perform? I would think that these guys knew it going in. You know what I mean? Like, I look back even at last season. So Tyler O'Neill is, a, to your point earlier, so Ozuna got hurt last year, and he had, um, I think it was about a three-week sample size. And there's no doubt, because it's human nature, that I'm sure he felt like this is my three weeks to show what I can do. And that there was pressure on him to perform. And these guys know, because they're human beings, and they, they read and they know that there is a short window to show what I can do. There's pressure to perform. It's the major leagues. You better show what you can do. And yes, IDs got the guys feel the the pressure to perform right now. Like, hey, I got to do it. It's either now or never. I don't have a long term contract. I don't have the long leash of other guys. I haven't shown what I've done. Uh, there, yeah, there's the expectation of a two and a half week window of the now of the season. But as it pertains to myself and my career, yeah, I gotta, I gotta put up some numbers. I gotta. I got to do some things here to to open up some eyes. For instance, Lane Thomas the other day did not make a throw on there was a the catcher of um the Twins that was trying to score um from second base. He didn't throw. Like I I didn't understand that. Like I got to come up throwing. I got to show my arm. I got to come up and be aggressive. I got to just go for broke. I got to let it go. And I, I didn't understand that. Now we we aren't from what what can't we what was going on on that play to him or to Mike Schilt or to Willie McGee, who is normally here. But those are the kind of plays that are going to separate yourself from others to at least show that here's my skill set going forward and this is what I have to offer. 
Well, that opportunity starts today. As we mentioned, the Cardinals open up a 23-game stretch in 19 days today with a doubleheader versus Detroit. First game is at 1:15. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. 7:11 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. But coming up next, we're going to play a game of What's Better? Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Lachlan in for Randy Character today. I'm Michelle Smallman. Great to have you with us. And let's kick things to uh, Scott Manziera here for a little game of what's better. What's going on, Scott? All right, guys. Text in to 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Text two things, and Michelle and Dan will tell you what's better. This one comes in from the 314. Washers or cornhole? What's better? Oh, well, I call it bags, and I'm going with bags. Yeah, I'm going bags, too. We do that every Thanksgiving for our um, Thanksgiving little get-together. My brother is highly competitive when it comes to bags, and my oldest son gets highly competitive with that, too, and beats him. So I love that, so I'm going bags. Bags I, is such a summer game, too. It's just, I mean, not that washers isn't, but yeah. to me, you, you get out the bag set, you play bags with your friends. It's, a, it's like a rite of passage in the summer. Totally agree. Every single family function that I've gone to for my girlfriends, they're huge bags and washers players, and these guys are elite. I mean, they are so good. They're highly I'm, competitive, I'm man. I'm so bad. Like, you know, I feel like I was average when I showed up, and I just get crushed, so nobody wants to be on my team. It's pretty embarrassing. You need to practice, Scott. You can't embarrass her like that. I know. I know. <laughs> not, until, well, not until you're married. That's, That's right. right. You got to take it on the chin when you're the boyfriend. That's right. <laughs> All right. From the 314, what's better, college football tailgating or BPV before a weekend cards game? College football tailgating. I don't even think it's close. I love Ballpark Village. It's obviously a great setup, and it's a great time to be able to just walk across the street into Bush Stadium. But tailgating is when you get to you really bring in your creativity. There's usually a theme. You get to hang outside with your friends. You want your tailgate to be better than the next tailgate. And the next tailgate, if it's better, you can slowly slide yourself over and get a little bit of what they're working with. I miss tailgating. I'm going to go with the uh, tailgating because I've never really been at Ballpark Village <laughs> doing the other side. So I'm usually in the booth. Yeah, so that's I, right. I can't really say anything about the other one. So I don't know. Where's your favorite place that you've ever tailgated, both of you guys? Um, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed, I know this is going to sound so homerish, but I, I enjoy going down to Columbia, Missouri. I, I enjoy it because it's a short drive. I can be back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy just going down to Mizzou. I got a lot of friends there. It's just fun. Um, my favorite one ever was going to Boston College. My brother played football at Boston College, so I did that and watched him play his first football game, Division oh, One. Very cool. So that's the one that comes to mind for me always. I think I will have to choose, even though it's tough, University of Iowa. Oh, so, Iowa was the best. I've been there. It's incredible. I, the, and the best memory I know is I went up there for Iowa-Penn State a couple of years ago when uh, Penn, Penn State won it at the buzzer. Like, right in the last second, they made an incredible drive. But it was the barstool tailgate party. It was, <laughs> it was incredible. It was, it was the best tailgate ever. I was going to go to Michigan-Ohio State this year. Oh. That was going to be a bucket list thing for me. Was it in Ann, Ann Arbor? I don't know. Or was it in Columbus? I don't know. I just, a buddy of mine had the tickets. He was going to line it all up. We were going to go. I was committed, and I'm disappointed I'm not going to go. But Yeah, for sure. Well, it's it's going to happen one of these years. You'll get, you'll get there, We'll Dan. get there. It's going to be no all doubt. good, and I'm, I'm staying positive. It'll happen. 
Yeah, just stay positive. Thank you. Six. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Sorry. Uh, from the six one to eight, what's better, mountains or beach for a vacation? Beach. Oh, I'm going beach all day, every yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, I'd... we're landlocked here. Why wouldn't we want the beach? I've done both. I do both all the time. I'm. Um, do you ski? I do ski. Not yeah. well. I'm more of a blue. You know, I do the blues. I'm not a black no. or double black diamond type girl. I'm not trying to take my life in my hands. Me neither. I'm just I, trying to chill down a mountain and then meet me at Opry Ski. We'll have a little peppermint <laughs> schnapps hot chocolate. That's I my gotcha. vibe. I uh, I do both. I'm with you too. I go down the easiest stuff because I'm I'm not there to get killed. <laughs> right. And uh, but the one time though, I did make a wrong turn and go down the the. What is it? The black... Uh, black diamond? Yeah. Oof. And my kids are waiting for me at the bottom, and I was going down on my bottom. <laughs> and they were laughing at me. It hurt. Really hurt. I had to do that once, too. I was skiing with friends, and we were going to lunch, and they're like, just follow us. Mind you, this was maybe my second or third time skiing in my life. They had all been skiing since they were little kids. And it was a blue, cut over to a green, cut over to a blue. Oh, here's a black. Yeah. Not not doing it. It was bad. It was yeah, bad. I just kind of like laying out on the beach. It's you all good. It's in book. the winter time. Yeah, chill out. It's Under fun. an umbrella, catch a breeze. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line for what's better. This one from the three one four. More food, guys. Donuts <laughs> or pastries? Well, pastry. I feel like that's an unfair fight because pastries is such a broad category. It could be any sort of pastry. So just go with the easy answer well, and go, go with the d- I'm donuts. Going with donuts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with donuts. All right, this one comes in from the 314. What's better, Musial's career or Pools' 10-year stint? I'm going Stan the Man. That, yeah, Stan the Man. I, and I'll say that just because I'm going to be a homer and he spent the entire time here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were going to go the entire time that he was here, if Pujols was going to stand, uh, spend the entire time in St. Louis and he's on the cusp of 660 home runs, then we'd have a different conversation. But he didn't. So I'm going the entirety of Stan's career here. So am I. I think, yeah, if you look in totality. Yeah. And it's kind of, again, an unfair fight because Albert is still in yeah. his career. But when you look back at the career of Stan Musial, there's really no holes in his game. No. You know, and you could make the art, even though Albert has had an unbelievable career, especially his time here in St. Louis, you could argue there's, you'd like to change maybe. Well, I, I would say that the 10 years that he had here um, would be put up against, you could make the case it's the best 10 years of a right-handed hitter in the history of baseball before it's all said and done. If you wow. put it up against anybody, it, it's maybe the best 10 years ever. That simple. This one from the 636, what's better, a best of three series for the playoffs for the Major League Baseball or the winner-take-all wild card games? Michelle? I kind of like the best of three. I I do too. Um, I think going forward, though, you have to have a best five. I, I think that if you're the Dodgers and you're going to win out of a 60-game season, 44, 45 games, and you drop to a three, it's awfully tough, tough pill to swallow. That's why I like a three out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an odd season anyway, so tough. That's just the way it is. Right. I mean, you, you can run into hot pitching and drop two out of three, and home field advantage this year doesn't really matter because there's no fans. Now you get to stay at home, so you'll play at Dodger Stadium. But does it really matter? Not really. Um, and you run into two guys that are red-hot pitching. I mean, you know, Cardinals could be, let's just say for argument's sake, an eight seed, and they get uh, 
Jack Flaherty and they get Adam Wainwright on a full day's rest. Let's just say, for argument's sake, uh-huh. could happen. Or the Cincinnati Reds get in and they get Sonny Gray and they get Trevor Bauer. Could happen. Good luck. Good luck, right? Yeah, you could you could lose. That's the way this thing works. This one from the 636. What's better, a 29-9 game like we saw last <laughs> night in Atlanta or a one nothing game? one nothing game. Not even close. I don't know. I might go 29-9 no. just because it's so rare. <laughs> That was a four-hour. I was surprised. I think, and Scott, you can look at this. I was looking at time of game, which I was shocked at. It actually, I thought it was going to be like a five-hour game. It only was like four hours and 10 minutes, which shocked me. Or four hours and 15 minutes or something like that. Four hours, 14 minutes. Yeah. Wow. I thought it'd be like a, like a five-hour game. Right. That's that's not baseball. 29 runs. Was it 29 to 9? Or I'm, Hey, I'm in for 29 to 9. So no. am I. Four no. hours, 14 and 29, 9? You're telling me that is better than a one nothing game? Yeah. No. I'm in for it. How no. many one nothing games have we seen? What are you guys, seven? <laughs> Come on, man. Give me no, the roll. like action, Dan. <laughs> no. one nothing with drama and every pitch matters? You know, 29-9, it's, it's already over. Come on. Give me some drama and figuring out how you're going to get through the inning and should I go with that guy and bring in this guy and the matchup and the three batter minimum? That's what I want. Dan, there's yes. three, there three home runs hit in the top of the, th- the bottom of the third inning. The so second what? inning. Come on. And then, and then what did you do for the rest of the seven innings? Uh, I probably flipped it off and then I was like, holy crap, now they have 17 runs. I'm turning it back on and they put another six. Woo. Yeah, and then you watch the position player throw. <laughs> and then it's batting practice. So what? We never get to see batting Give practice on nothing. TV. <laughs> Terrible. I would love to see you call a 29 to 9 game. I wouldn't. Because yeah. at, no. at, at, at run 20, you're kind of running out of things to say. Are you Give still me. getting as excited for 25 <laughs> yeah. as you did for like six? Give me thing nothing and give me um yeah you 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 know what Michelle at three hours and fifty minutes you go call that oh, and no give way. me one hour and fifty minutes and give me the eighth inning that's what I want tag me in coach I'll I'll do it two five four four says twenty nine to nine every single time low <laughs> runs equals boring. Ooh. Yeah, and also Danny Mack is uh, from the 618, 100% right on this. You didn't read that one <laughs> oh, because that one. a chess game is a one nothing game. Thank you. Thank you, 618. You yeah, know, you, you failed to read that one. over my head. Yeah, thanks. I get it. My, my One of my favorite games I've ever seen is Chris Carpenter, Roy Holiday, NLDS. Exactly. Unbelievable. No, that, that was the division series, too. There's yeah. a little bit writing on it, but yeah. Go ahead, Scott. Pitching duels are awesome. I think, yes. the, I think the better question would have been 29 to 9 or a no header. In that case, I'll take the no header. But <laughs> if it's going to be one nothing, it's got to be like a perfect game or no header for me. 29 9 is not fun, fun to watch. All right, from the 3 and 4, what's, what's better, watching sporting events at home or at a bar? Well, right now, I'm definitely going to say at home. Actually, in general, I'm going to say at home because I broadcast the broadcast. I oh, like to hear. Stop. No, I'm serious. I like to hear what Dan and Brad or whoever you're with have you to say. You are kissing up. I am not. Yes, I am you serious. Are. And it's okay. I, I keep am, it coming. I am serious. I when when the Blues are in the are in a big game or in their playoffs, I want to watch at home so that I can hear what's going on. I want to hear the analysis. I want to hear the interviews. I want to hear all of that. I don't want to have to. You know, say to somebody, hey, I know you're earning a Bud Light, but move over. I can't see the screen. Or or deal with somebody that's next to you that's annoying that you don't know. Forget it. I'd rather be at home. I would prefer, well, it depends on the sport. So if I'm watching a football game, which definitely I I like watching college football. I like being at home to watch a college football game. Mm -hmm. I know that that a lot of people like to gather and there's, you know, hey, here's the 
pick your school uh, alumni team and, you know, you're going to meet at Bar X and you're, you know, that's cool. I, I totally appreciate that. But I do like watching games at home. But now I have a caveat, though, with, with this. Okay. I, I flip around and go to, like, Red Zone. You know what I mean? So I'll flip around and I may or may not have a wager on some games that okay. make it interesting for me. Again, for friends, of course, not of course. not for me. Right. Because I, I care about my friends. Right. It's not about me. You're such a caring guy in that way, Dan. You know it's about my friends. Absolutely. You know, I want to make sure they can make their, pay their bills. So that, it's not about me. That's why we appreciate you, Dan. Thanks. He's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. And coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend, the host of MLB Tonight at the MLB Network, Greg Amzinger is with us. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome into Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is off today. Dan McLaughlin sitting in for Randy. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and welcome in our friend, the host of MLB Tonight on the MLB Network. It's Greg Amzinger. And Greg, before we ask you some questions, I need you to settle a little bit of a debate between Dan. What would you rather watch, a one nothing game or a 29-9 to game? Oh, that's not even close. I'm going one nothing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm so 1980s in that way. I know the kids nowadays who like games are like, oh, I love seeing the bombs. Give me a great, well-pitched game where every base runner matters, and I'm at the edge of my seat. That's what I would prefer. Greg, that's why that Lindenwood education was very <laughs> uh, and it's, it's obviously coming through on this broadcast. So very well done. Very well done, Greg. Thank you, Dan. Hey, real quick, Michelle, you like 29 to 9? That's what you prefer? Not all the time, Greg, but I said it's so rare that if you're giving me the opportunity, I'm going to watch it, you know, one time. It's going to be a fun time one time. The only reason I'd be entertained is to see which position player could strike a big leaguer out, you know, because that's what's inevitably going to happen in a game like that. That's what I said, too. Position player. That's the only thing I get excited to watch in a blowout like that. Hey, Greg, good to hear your voice. Um, Let me ask you this. What's the uh, general impression of of what the Cardinals have been able to do? They had the 17-day layoff. I know you love the Cardinals and you follow the Cardinals, and they've had the closer out. Carlos Martinez just got back. They've got a 39-year-old that's been arguably their best pitcher. Uh, Let's see. Who else has been out, guys? Let's see. Um, uh, KK's out. Dexter Fowler's out. Uh, who am I missing? There's just, there's some other people that have been out. Um, well, you know. Cody Whitley's out. Yeah, Cody Whitley was out. He was high leverage. There's somebody else out. It doesn't matter. So, And now they're, what, <laughs> you know, they're two and a half out uh, are in front of Milwaukee for the, uh, the the playoff spot or in front of Milwaukee for a playoff spot. So if they, if it's, what's the, what's the general impression of what the Cardinals have been able to do? Because I, I, I find it amazing what they've been able to do. I completely agree with you. I look at three managerial performances that stand out. I make that four. Um, I think Montoya in Toronto, um, basically Buffalo, has been incredible. When a team can't go home, play any real home games. Uh, what Joe Girardi did with the Phillies, missing so many games, they couldn't. I mean, I think they played five games for the first two and a half weeks of the season. They couldn't even get their mojo going. He's got the worst bullpen in the sport. And then I put I put Mike Schilt and Don Mattingly together, variants through through COVID, and with their players out and dealing with the serious matter of it. Uh, Don Mattingly going through almost sixty players 
through not even what 40 games. So, so that's just to me remarkable. We'll never see that again. At least we, I hope we never see that again. But Mike Shield is a terrific manager, and and he's he's kept the spirits up of this team. Um, you lean on experience. It's the one thing that I've come to, to. I've got a theme going right now, and Javi Baez brought it up, and Dan, you might agree with this. Um, Young players, young hitters, when all they've known is is the video technology to an evolution per at bat in a game, uh, they're struggling without that. And and to talk about veteran players, Paul Goldschmidt is hitting. Yadier Molina at this age is still hitting. Uh, the, the the experienced player who didn't lean on it when they got into the big leagues are, are thriving at a, at a higher level than a lot of these young players. It was their binky for a while. So it, I think when you have veterans, it's going to help you in a season like this for multiple reasons. Uh, leadership obviously is something that doesn't come up in analytics, but what Adam Wainwright has done for the rotation is, is tremendous on his birthday throwing that complete game was awesome to watch, but it, it's, it's the grittiness of this team that I think is standing out. And I think the, nationally, we know the guy was the manager of the year, but Mike Schultz getting a lot of credit. He's getting a lot of credit for just steadying the ship this year for the Cardinals. Greg, we talked about the positives with the Cardinals. Let's look at the other end of the spectrum and talk about the Yankees for a minute. I know that they've dealt with a lot of injuries, but it's not just injuries. I was reading an article this morning about Garrett Cole and some of the issues that he's been facing this season. So what do you think has been going on with the Yankees? They're a mess. Uh, often, they're just terrible. I, I can't believe it. They've got three guys that hit, consistently hit. LeMahieu, Voigt, which I think is painful for any Cardinal fans here, <laughs> but uh, LeMahieu, Voigt, and Clint Frazier, that's it. So to me, the player that stands out that, that, that I just, and I'm fixated on this player, so it's probably unfair, but Gary Sanchez is way too talented to hit 135 on the air or whatever he's hitting right now. It's ridiculous how bad he is at the plate. And his blocking of baseballs in the dirt has improved. But, man, I am very leery of when I see him strike out on three pitches for some reason, the next half inning, the Yankees are giving up runs. <laughs> so I'm wondering if when he's behind the plate, if he really is locked into what fingers he's putting down. Uh, to me, he is the number one problem if beyond the injuries they're dealing with, with Stanton and Judge and everyone else that they've got. Glaber Torres has lost the plate, um, which I think he's in the Javi Baez camp of young players who use video technology as a binky, and without it, he's lost. Um, but Gary Sanchez, he's an out. He, he's an out, and he might run into one. But but Rob Deere had a better chance of hitting 200 than Gary Sanchez. What are you hearing, Greg, about the the postseason? So best of three, first round. We'll have it at the home cities, and then will Major League Baseball officially? Or where are we at with that? What are you hearing officially? Well, what I'm hearing is um, a, a certain prominent pitcher um, went into the negotiations and kind of busted up the bubble. And they're still working on it, but they don't have the union on their side yet, Dan. And, and that is the major issue. They don't believe they need a bubble. This certain player of a certain prominent team, um, they haven't had any COVID-related issues, but I don't understand why they're not looking around seeing that other teams have had COVID-related issues. So the bubble is imperative. Once you start this thing, it has to get through cleanly. Um, the last thing you want is is, you know, I'll use Garrett Cole, for example, because we're just talking about the Yankees. The Yankees get in, and the night before uh, deciding game three, or let's say the bubble, you get down to the World Series game seven, 
and the pitcher is sick, has symptoms. That's the last thing Major League Baseball wants to oh, have. Oh, man. Yeah. It'd be terrible. So the bubble is imperative. Um, the union's not on board yet. has a lot to do with the families having a quarantine to be with the players uh, in the bubble. And, and there's just a lot of red tape. The logistics are still being worked out. It is the number one goal for Major League Baseball is to get this postseason bubble. I'm on board with it. I think anybody that looks at what's happened already this year to a couple teams, it makes so much sense in the world. But at the moment, the union is in in agreement. Sitting here in St. Louis, Greg, we're certainly hoping that they take another look at that, you know. Uh, But speaking of the playoffs, we all kind of have our our eyes trained on teams that might be locked in. But who is a team that might be on the cusp, perhaps a dark horse team that we should be paying attention to that you think might sneak in the playoffs? Uh, You're going to roll your eyes at me, Michelle, because they lost 29-9 last night. I, I know it sounds crazy, but the Miami Marlins yeah. have have grown up a little bit. Uh, trade deadline was huge for me. That was a huge moment to watch. I was I was rooting for it. I was I was hosting the coverage on our network, hoping that the Marlins would be a buyer, and they wouldn't got the best position player available in Starling Marte. Do I think he's going to make them an offensive juggernaut? No, not at all. But it was a message sent to everyone in that clubhouse that was grinding through this mess of a season for the Marlins that, that at the moment, with a couple weeks to go, they're in the playoffs. When are we going to say that again if we get 162-game schedules going forward? I don't know. I don't think they have the depth and position players to do this. So to get him into the clubhouse is A. B, most importantly to me, is they have win day now. And any great team that's a surprise, I'll use the Padres, for example. Once Paddock became what looks like an ace, you're like, okay, well, now the Padres can actually put something together. Sixto Sanchez is legit. He's a five foot nine, five foot ten right hander, flamethrower. They got him from the Phillies. This kid is the ace. We've been talking about their pitching for a while, and they've got pitching depth. I mean, for goodness sake, they traded Caleb Smith to get Marte, and I like Caleb a lot. A very talented left hander. But Sixto Sanchez is the most talented pitcher they've had since the late Jose Fernandez. So I think that is a huge piece to this, that if the Marlins continue to rely on their starting pitching, they steal bases, uh, they, they manufacture runs. Man, they're old school. Talk about one nothing, 1980. You see guys hit the ball to second base to get a guy from second to third, and then you have Brian Anderson hitting a sacrifice fly, and they're celebrating like he hit a home run when he gets to the dugout. So I'm loving the way the Marlins play. I think it's different. It's fresh. They're using what they have. But the evolution of Sixto Sanchez, to me, is why I think the Marlins will sneak into the postseason. I'm going to wrap it up with this, too, and I, I know we're maybe putting the cart ahead of the horse here, but what are you hearing about what may happen next year with spring training and the different options that are out there for ball, baseball and the beginning of the season with or without fans? Do teams train at spring training sites? Do they go to their home cities? All the different things that are out there. What are you hearing about what may happen with baseball next year? Because really, the reality is, Greg, we're not that far away. I know. You're absolutely right. It's stuff that we've been inquiring. I mean, I've got all my my insider buddies. I I swear my name pops up on their phone, and Ken Rosenthal is annoyed when he sees Am Singer calling him because I just can't get enough of this stuff. From what I hear, Dan, uh, the chances of spring training being the conventional spring training look good at the moment. Uh, I would. Uh, to me, there's zero percent chance there will be fans in the stands next year, and and that's with let's say everything works out right. There's a vaccine. Let's say everything happens that we are we are smiling about. I, I just think 2021 
they're making sure nothing is connected to Major League Baseball in terms of fans getting sick. It's the last thing they want. So no chance there are fans fans this next year, even if there are 81 home games in St. Louis. Um, they're going to be extremely cautious. They are going to try to do something unique. I, I, I don't see everyone being in Florida. I don't see everyone being in Arizona uh, for spring training. I think home cities will be the way to go. No fans at all, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like it, 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 even the schedule might be tweaked in unique ways that you never thought we would see before. So they are already discussing the 2021 season because, like you said, it's right around the corner. Wow, great stuff as always, Greg. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, you got it. Good to hear your voices. Take care, guys. See you, Greg. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB of M Night on the MLB Network. Coming up next, get your texts into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's Take It or Leave It. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Dan McLaughlin is in for Randy Carriker today. Let's head to the Air Comfort Service text line. Scott Manziera has your text for Take It or Leave It. All right, from the 314 guys, Take It or Leave It. The Cardinals win both doubleheaders today, or both the doubleheader today, so both games inside of it. Jeez, that was hard to say. <laughs> well, the, uh, the Tigers are coming off a drubbing last night, yeah. and the Cardinals, it is tough to sweep any doubleheader. Doesn't matter if you're Detroit, doesn't matter if you're St. Louis. However, I do like the pitching for St. Louis as it's lined up. We're going to see Gomber and Flaherty go for the Cardinals. So dating back to the All-Star break a year ago, 10 starts at Bush Stadium for Jack Flaherty. 10 starts. He's 6-1, 1.27 ERA. His opponent average is 130. His whip, 0.64. 73 strikeouts in those 10 starts. He's only walked 13, three home runs allowed. He loves pitching at home. So I love that start. Love that start. He's also coming off a poor start at Wrigley Field. So I love Jack Flaherty in that start. If Gomber can be more efficient in his start than he was at Wrigley Field, meaning that he throws more strikes, um... I think the Cardinals can sweep it. It just comes down to the starting pitching of both uh, Flaherty and Jack Gomber. Or uh, Flaherty and uh, Austin Gomber. We'll just call today the Jack Gomber day. Just combine them both. It's early in the morning. What do you you want from me? I'm normally not up until, well, actually, I'm always up early. What am I saying? I I can't use it as an excuse. (laughs) I was going to say, come on. I know you're up early all the time. I am. Um, I'm with you, though. I like their chances today, especially Jack Flaherty coming off that outing in Chicago. I think that he might have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And not that he ever has anything to prove, but just go out there attacking. Well, he's, you know, again, he's at home and Gomber, love him in the starting rotation. And again, if he's efficient in the zone, in the rotation, he's got to be throwing strikes, though, back in the rotation. Don't know how deep he can go, but I do love the back end of the Cardinal bullpen. And we'll talk to Dan Dickerson, the radio play-by-play voice of the Detroit Tigers coming up at 9 o'clock. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Take It or Leave It. Guys, from the 314, Take It or Leave It, Chipotle is better than Qdoba. I'm taking it. Say that again. Chipotle is better than Qdoba. Take it or leave it. Which one sponsors 101 ESPN? Uh, let's just say for this, both. Uh, I'm going to take both. <laughs> so whoever is out there and a sponsor of either one that wants to sponsor this segment, I'll take it. There you go. I love that business mentality out of you, Dan. Thank Cha-ching. you. The only reason that I picked Chipotle is because there's one closer to my house. There so. you go. Smart answer <laughs> there, too. Logistics. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. From the 636, take it or leave it. You guys are pumped about the NFL returning tonight. Um, I'm going to go against my heart and I'm going to say take it. Whoa, didn't yeah. expect that from you, Dan. No, I, I'm not a huge NFL fan after they left St. Louis, clearly. Clearly. Um, but because I am pining for sports, I'm going to take it. And when sports is going to be shut down, <clears throat> we don't know when the NHL and the NBA will return after their postseason runs are through. I'm going to be and the M- MLB playoffs. Uh, I'm going to be watching a lot of football. Good. I'm going to leave it. While I will be watching NFL football this season, tonight doesn't really feel like a big opening night. It doesn't feel like something we've been counting down to. It just kind of feels like it has arrived, so I'm not necessarily pumped about it. I'm curious to see how the NFL handles the fans. There will be some fans in the stands, our understanding, in Kansas City. Yeah, I think some of the NFL teams are Kansas City. Those teams that are going to have them? And I think they're going to gradually integrate some fans as they move forward, so... You know, I, I'm, I'll be curious to see how that works. You know, Kansas City can be one of the loudest, if not the loudest, facility in football. So to see how that works, to see how their production works on the television side, it's a television sport in my mind. Um, and, I, you know, that, that does interest me. So once I... Uh, and, uh, and then going forward, if it's the only game in town, literally... Yeah, I'm going to be watching it because I'm a sports fan. That's right. And you can listen to the game here on 101 ESPN tonight. Chiefs versus Texans. We have pregame starting for you at 6.30 p.m. And kickoff is at 7.20. This one from the 314. Guys, all four major sports are in action tonight. It seems like I think tomorrow is six months since uh, the coronavirus canceled all the sports. Take it or leave it. You'll watch at least a few seconds of all four major sports tonight. Uh, I'll be watching baseball. I know that. Yeah, I'm going to leave it. Because I'll definitely be watching baseball. Might flip to the NFL a little bit, but I doubt I will be locked into anything else. I always watch quick pitch, so I'll be watching tons of baseball to get caught up on what's happening with baseball. So I go home and I watch quick pitch anyway, and then I watch the West Coast games. So actually, I need to reverse that. I go home, I watch quick pitch, and then I... No, I need to reverse that statement. I go home, I watch the West Coast games, and then I watch quick pitch. So I'll be watching probably more baseball than anything else. So you guys aren't interested in the Lakers game? No. Or the Chiefs game? Not really. Or the uh, Stars game? Stars no. game tonight? Oh, my gosh. Are you? Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching all four games tonight. You, you must have I a killer wait. TV set up then. Yeah, I'll probably have something on TV, maybe throw something on the computer. I'm streaming, and I'll be listening to the football game on, on 101. So then I'll have all of them. And you also have the U.S. Open in tennis. That's something that we have not thrown out there. The U.S. Open is going on, and you're going to have golf going on this weekend. Probably, probably. There's probably an event with golf. Is there not? Maybe not. Let's see. No, they had one of the, uh, what did they have last week? That was the huge one. PGA Championship? No, it wasn't a PGA Championship. Come on, you're uh, better than that, Scotty. Players? <laughs> no. Uh, BMW? No. Well, I've tried, Dan. <laughs> uh, also, if you're a fantasy football player, you're probably tuned into a lot of football, too, tonight. Uh, you do Safeway open, Dan. There you go. Safeways is open. Uh, Safeways this weekend. Yeah, I saw Brooks Kepka opted out of one of the events, but... Yeah. It's okay. All right. What else you got? Yeah. This one from the 636, and this will be our final one. Take it or leave it. Jack Flaherty goes over seven innings tonight. Well, he uh, would have to be pitching in extra innings then. That's true. It's a double header. How about a complete game? Uh, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that too. It's a good call, Dan. Thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you, Scotty. Yeah, you got Appreciate it. it. FedEx was last weekend, by the way. There Thank you, you go. Yeah. Well, coming up next, we are going to talk some NFL with Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN. We'll talk to him about the opener of the NFL season. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin is in for Randy Character. He's been in all week. Dan, how are these uh, four-hour shifts been going for you? They've been great. You know why? Because sports is back, and I was sick of talking about what may happen in baseball, whether oh. or not they could get a uh, labor agreement uh, situated, and they did, finally. So here we are talking about sports, and we're talking about what we hope will be uh, a postseason in baseball, which we will get to. And the Cardinals picked up a half game on the Cubs because the Cubs lost last night. So they're two and a half out uh, going into the doubleheader today, which is an early start at the ballpark. So that's good. We've got the Texans at the Chiefs tonight. So that's good. We've got the NHL playoffs. That's good. We've got the <laughs> NBA playoffs. So that's good. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy, man. We got sports back and, uh, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, we were all if, wondering if and when sports would come back, and and really the to me, Michelle, the question was as we do sports for a living was not when it really was if at mm-hmm. some point you know if sports would come back, and we were hoping to have uh, Mike Tannenbaum up and uh, the the former GM of the New York Jets wanted to get him on. He's great, by the way. I really enjoy his work uh, at ESPN and a former general manager and in, in what happens in the front office and, and trying to get ready for uh, an NFL season. And if we can get him on, I, w- I would love to talk about from a front office perspective because I do find it fascinating what it's like being in a front office from their perspective, not a player perspective, not a coach perspective, but imagine trying to get in a truncated season, ready for what this is like, whether you're in Major League Baseball, the NBA, any sport, any of these sports, what you're trying to do to get your teams ready to play. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you're in the NFL, you have not had a preseason. You know, you're you, and I, what I mean, a preseason, preseams. Right, game, right. You know, you're, you're just watching your guys and trying to evaluate getting ready to play this game tonight and how, um, you know, so, so imagine you're... Um, trying to evaluate Joe Burrow, you know, or trying to evaluate the guys that you drafted. You know, you, you feel good about them. Obviously, you drafted them. You feel very good about the, the players that you picked, but you just don't know until you watch them in live action against competition. Those, those kind of things are fascinating to me as you evaluate going into a season and what that may be like. I, I just find those kind of things really, really interesting. Not only are you wondering about your guys and how up to speed they are, you don't have the tape, as you mentioned, from preseason games on other teams. And then even take it a little bit further. There's a ripple effect here. For those guys trying to evaluate some of these college players, what if there was somebody who was very high on your big board sure. that was in the Big Ten or the Pac-12? How are you going to evaluate them? Well, and the other thing is, too, as you look at what's happening right now in sports on the college level, um, 
It's it's sad that we don't have it, and it's sad as we talk on a local level here in St. Louis for some of these kids. And we are going to talk to Jim Powers uh, coming up later in our show who covers high school sports. Some of those kids will not have the chance to compete at the high school level to make the jump from their junior year to their senior year, and they can't beat, uh, compete. All they're doing is practicing. They don't have that shot. Yeah. They, they don't have a shot to compete. And uh, that that is so sad to me for some of those kids. And then you're trying to balance on the college level of kids that get another year of, uh, another year of eligibility. They're trying to compete. And then as a college um, athletic director, what you're doing with all these kids that you have and a coach of not only do you have kids coming back, not only do you have the incoming class trying to balance all that, figure out exactly, all right, this is what we have. What can we do? How do we keep kids um, motivated? What do we do to not only look at our schedule? Can we realistically compete in spring, which is something that some universities are, are talking about? Um, are we going to compete in the fall? Uh, are some of our kids going to opt out and go to the NFL? Can they realistically go to the NFL? Are they ready now? That's my point. Yeah. Um, advising then the parents of student athletes. What are we telling mom and dad? You know, mom and dad are upset. The kid is upset. Uh, am I doing the right thing for the, the family? I mean, there's a balancing act that's going on here that is just really, really tough on all levels, high school, college, and now the pro level that's very, very tough. And so uh, hopefully we get to talk to Mike Tannenbaum about that. Not sure we're going to have that chance, but yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. And from the the point of being in the front office, and I I look at it from the baseball side of things, like John Moselock... um, I can't imagine what his summer has been like. Now, this is big boy stuff, right? You know, this is the job you sign up for. You're the president of baseball operations, and you're trying to balance not only fielding a team to be competitive because that's your job to win games, but then you got hit by COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you're saying, okay, here's our alternate site. Here's what we got to do to put our 30 guys. Then go down to 28. Here's our taxi squad. Here's on the alternate site. Oh, by the way, there are no minor league guys. So what do we do with that? Oh, I'm responsible for a coaching staff. I'm responsible for these guys. I'm responsible for making sure our staff is is taken care of. I, I just can't imagine what that is like on that level. It goes so much beyond just what's happening on the field. And so the tentacles of what has happened in sports is so far beyond the starting nine. And in this case, the 53 guys on your roster or whatever you're trying to do to compete every single day, there is so much to do. And it's, again, it's, it's what we're doing in all our lives in any walk of business. It's not easy, but man, in sports, it's really, really hard right now. It's overwhelming just to hear you lay all of that out, all of these different factors and tentacles, as you mentioned, that these teams are dealing with. And when you, when we look at the Cardinals, their front office has been solidified for a while, you know, so they feel more comfortable in the roles. I think about the shelf life oftentimes of an NFL coaching staff or an NFL office. If you don't perform, what is it, two, three years and you could be out of there. And all of a sudden you're dealing with all these circumstances that are kind of out of your control and you're trying to adjust and, and balance and make sure that not only you're fielding the best team possible, but that everyone's healthy and safe. And then, oh, by the way, I know that if I don't perform, I could be out of a job and then I'm concerned about my family and all these other things. The stress that a lot of these people have to be dealing with is 
probably a pretty hot I imagine. Yeah, uh, you know, head coaches though and coordinators and those kind of guys, they're they're making big money. So I'm not overly concerned about them to that point. Now, that's just on the business side, but you have a lot of people that you're responsible for that uh, aren't making that kind of money. Mm-hmm. And there's a human element of that, and there's a human element of just taking care of people, right? Sure. You know, and just trying to take care of people in a pandemic. And that's something that I think often gets overlooked from the fan perspective of, and I get it, there's the fandom side of it of just, hey, why isn't uh, this team performing at the level it needs to be performing at? And why isn't this team winning? And why isn't this team performing and taking care of the Cubs or beating the Texans tonight or doing this in the NBA bubble or the the, the Blues lost to the Vancouver Canucks? I, I get it. You know, that's the fandom side. A lot, And I'm not trying to make excuses. I mean, it's, again, this is big boy stuff. This is professional sports. But, man, there is a lot that goes into these things that is the human element of this side that often in these things gets over. Men- and not machines, right? Yeah, it is. But again, this is why you sign up for it. This is this is the the tough part of the side of the business. It just happened to come at a really, really tough time of something that we've never, ever dealt with before. That's Sam McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Hopefully we'll connect with Mike Tannenbaum later in the show. But coming up next here on 101 ESPN, SoFi Stadium in L.A. is opening. There won't be fans there, but they finally have cut the ribbon and they are open for business. There was an interesting story in the L.A. Times about all of the obstacles that were presented as the stadium was being built. Dan and I are going to talk about that next here on 101. ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Randy Character is on vacation, the voice of the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest. And of course, you hear him on Scoops with Danny Mack Monday through Friday here at 10 a.m. Dan McLaughlin is in for Randy. And Dan, over the weekend, there was an interesting story that came out in the L.A. Times about SoFi Stadium. Of course, we know SoFi Stadium is Stan Kroenke's project after he ripped the Rams out of St. Louis and moved them to L.A. He's been building the stadium for quite some time. And there were a lot of obstacles that popped popped up in Kroenke's way as he was building the stadium. But they had a ribbon cutting a few days ago, and the stadium is open for business for football. They have no fans in the stands this season, but it's uh, it's an interesting story, Dan, about all the obstacles that's, that Kroenke had to deal with moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. Between November 2016, February 2017, they had uh, 15 and a half inches of rain, so that left, what, 12 to 15 feet deep in the excavation site that at times resembled a lake, so the water had to be pumped out each time. It was supposed to be finished in time for the 2019 season, so that was a year late. The public estimates have increased from $1.86 billion to $2.6 billion to $5 billion. Okay, so a lot. Yeah, so that includes the cost of acquiring the land, debt service, design, Yet building the NFL media headquarters adjacent to the stadium, scheduled to open next year, and host other uh, items that would be there. So the actual cost might be higher. They have had, unfortunately, um, some folks that worked on the stadium that uh, passed away mm-hmm. on the, the site, that which is horrible. Right. Um, and so, you know, this has been about as bad as it could go i mean clearly it's a, it's about as bad as this thing could go so the cost is going to be wind wind up being over five billion uh to the nfl and stan cron in this situation um and now you have a situation where it's a pandemic and no fans allowed in the stands 
you know, as I look at this too, I've got to wonder about the future of this going forward where if you can't allow fans in the stands and just wondering about the appetite for fans once you do allow fans in the stands, where do you where do you go with this? Right. Anything that could have gone wrong for him in the building process seemingly did. And now you're right. In phase two of this, they were supposed to have all these concerts to kick off the opening of the stadium. Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift was yep. can, uh, canceled. I think there was Kenny Chesney was supposed to be there, too. Right. Then, then, you, then you have the NFL season kicking off no fans in the stands. And to your point, he built this conglomerate out there, this compound with shopping and restaurants and the stadium and NFL media headquarters are going to be there. But... I think our habits as a a society have changed in that way. I don't know even when there's a vaccine, if there's really going to be the appetite for people to not only drive all the way out there and try and pay all of this money to see a football game, but to shop around or to to eat with their families. I just don't know if people are going to have the capital or the desire to do things like that anymore. I I think they will. You do. I do. I I think eventually that... um once we get back to a sense of normalcy, I do. I actually do. Yeah, I do. But when it's eventually, will this still be the shiny new toy? I don't. Um, I know. I think you know. Like Jerry's World was what two thousand nine. Is that right? Two thousand nine. He went up. But yes, two thousand nine. It's, it's a different climate though when you're talking about the Dallas Cowboys as opposed to what you have in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about L.A. and. It's just the community's different. You know, it's ocean. It's different things to do. You can go to the beach. You can have different things to do. I don't know if there's the appetite because it's never been there before to say the thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. Let's go to a football game. In Englewood. Yeah. Now, visitors may make that trip. If you're playing the Green Bay Packers or the Pittsburgh Steelers come in or Team X comes in, mm-hmm. you know, it may fill up with the visiting team. Um and the NFL wanted to have it be a priority to be in that community, obviously. And now they've done it with the shiniest toy in sports. I, I just don't know if the NFL is going to have what they wanted there in terms of being for the home's team setting. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, but yeah, I, I think people will eventually get there. And, and that's fine. I mean, it, it, it's, it is what it is. He built it. Um, they've got it there. The, the thing that I think you have to look at is beyond football. So you've got the Olympic venues, you've got concerts, you've got other things that will supplement the building that uh, you have to look at beyond just football. And will <clears throat> to the greater picture or the greater point is will people congregate and will people come together? And I do think people will. Initially, it's going to take some time. What's the appetite for it? Maybe not initially year one or two. Once a vaccine hits, um, will people congregate? I, uh, you know, time will tell. But I do think people will go. I do. I think people will go. But when it's Jerry's World and it's the Cowboys, things are bigger in Texas. This is our cathedral for our church. That is football and the Dallas Cowboys. It's different. It's it's more of a pilgrimage for people in Texas to want to go to Jerry's World and do that. The appetite for the Rams and for the NFL has been lackluster since the team moved back. And I think that the NFL 
they won't say it publicly, but I wonder if they're wondering, hey, we just spent all this money, or Stan spent all this money building this, and what's it going to allow to come? Are they going to be rowdy? Are they really going to care? Is it going to be half full for Chargers games or half full for Rams games? I definitely Rams think games? for the Chargers it will be. You know? Yeah. Um, it's just not a great look for the league to build this massive $5 billion building and have kind of the collective you know, perspective be, eh, all right. Yeah, um, but the thing is, you're going to have visiting teams that come in. You'll have the opposing crowd louder, which is fine. And at this point, does the NFL really care? They got their building. You're right. They got their building and they got their team there. They moved the NFL uh, media headquarters there, which is what they wanted. And they got their guy to do it. And they didn't have to use public funds. You know, the, 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 the state of California didn't have to chip in. They got their guy to do it. And that's all that Madley wanted. They got their puppet to do it. And, and that's all they wanted. So yeah. it happened. Um, and to the greater point, like I said, you know, he can offset a lot of that stuff with the Taylor Swifts and with the Kenny Chesneys and with the Olympic venue and with the other things that will be there. I mean, it's a magnificent building. There's no doubting that. Mm-hmm. I mean, $5 billion stadium. My God, it's... It better be. <laughs> it's, it's, it's huge. Um, and so he got it done and... It, it came at an enormous cost, enormous price. It's um, it's it's a diamond. It is. It is what it is. And uh, but the thing is, I think you have to look at the big picture beyond the NFL with this kind of situation. You know. So that's the way I look at it. You're right, Dan. And in the article, I thought there was something else interesting. They mentioned several times the timeline. Of, of this entire project, including Stan Kroenke going to the site in 2013 and saying, okay, we found our spot. Having conversations with Kevin Demoff, who was quoted in this article well before the vote in 2015. And as we look forward to how this impacts St. Louis, we have the lawsuit that is certainly in play right now. And I, I was reading this article thinking, okay, so... They're being pretty brazen with this timeline here, admitting that this was something that was in the works well before the vote happened. Yeah, well, that's going to come out in the lawsuit. And when you have those guys um, (laughs) under deposition and that's going to come out and that's going to be a part of it, good luck. So they're going to be in trouble. And unless they're going to lie under oath, good luck. You know, it's going to come out. So... Um, but at this point, they're down that road, and Kroenke's now $5 billion in his pocket. But again, the NFL made their bed. They're going to have to lie in it. That's the way I look at it. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Small. Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us at 845. But coming up next, it's going to be another Danny Mac edition of The Fight. We will have that next for you. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Carrie. Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. As you heard in the open, normally it's Randy Carriker that competes in the fight. He is on vacation, so it's going to be Dan McLaughlin taking on our challenger today. Before we welcome in our fighter, Danny Mack, ultimate teammate, 
brought in the entire squad pumpkin spice lattes today. Yeah, we really haven't gotten a chance to talk about it. I texted back somebody that remembered on the text line. I'm like, Danny Max, the best. It's been enjoyable. I don't know about you, Michelle, but I haven't had coffee since I've been back here for two months. You haven't and had I, coffee I in haven't two had coffee. months? No. What? You yeah. see me pounding coffee every day. What do you mean? I, I don't know about you. You watch me pound it every day. <laughs> I'm like literally <laughs> jolted with energy right now. Like, I feel like I am, I, I don't even know what to compare it to. I mean, it's incredible. Rocket fuel? I'm like wired right now. Yeah, it's palpable. <laughs> I feel you. You're jittery over it's, there. I am jittery, 100%. <laughs> so you're telling me that you come in here every morning, no coffee. Correct. Wow. I, I did coffee when I was in San Antonio a couple of times, and it did not go well. You know, Randy does no coffee, too. I drink it, like, too fast, like, and then it like and my stomach hurts, and it's a whole thing. You guys are built different. I, I don't I don't know how you do it. When I wake up in the morning, when that alarm goes off and it's pitch black outside, I crack one eye open, and I'm thinking, how quickly can I get to the Keurig? I'm, like, slapping myself. I'm like, all right, time to get up. Time to get up. Wow, okay. Don't miss the alarm. Well, I'm glad <laughs> that you're enjoying your pumpkin spice latte. All right, well, let's welcome in our fighter today. Matt is with us. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Michelle, how are you? I'm on about my fourth cup of coffee. Respect, Matt. How do you take your coffee? Just black. <laughs> I love it. You know, it seems like like you're all business, not only with your coffee order, but with this fight today, okay? Well, we'll see about that. All right, Matt, are you a baseball fan? I am a baseball fan. Okay, good. Well, you're in luck because because it's Danny Mack as your opponent today, we have an all-baseball fight again. So let's get things going. Question number one, Matt. How many times did Bob Gibson lead the league in strikeouts? One, two, or three? Uh, let's go two. All right, question number two for you, Matt. Whose dramatic home run caused Cardinal announcer Jack Buck to scream, Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Ozzy Smith, Jack Clark, or Willie McGee? You knew that one right away. All right, Matt, it is Paul Goldschmidt's 33rd birthday. Happy birthday to Paulie G. What pitcher did the Cardinals send to the Diamondbacks in that trade for Goldschmidt? Was it Zach Gallen, Luke Weaver, or Mike Leak? Uh, Leak. All right, and your final question, Matt. What was the longest playoff drought for the Cardinals since the year 2000? Two years, three years, or four years? Uh, let's see, they didn't make it in seven, eight, nine. They did make it nine. I'll go. Was it two, three, or four, you said? Correct. Uh, let's go four. Okay. Look at you, Randy, over there, counting them out in the years. <laughs> I love it. Deducing his answers. All right, question. let's check score here. Okay. Randy gets them right, though. I'm pretty sure I got them wrong. <laughs> well, you never know, Matt. You don't know until you until you uh, get the results here. Scott is bringing Dan into the studio. Here he comes. He's getting ready. Settled in here. Dan, as you uh, get your headphones on, please say good morning. Challenger Matt is with us. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing well. What's Good. going on, man? Uh, just getting into work. Running a little behind this morning. Thought yeah, where do you, talk to you guys. Where do you work at? Uh, I am a real estate appraiser. Nice. Little well, family office. Well, you ever think about uh, sponsoring at 101 ESPN? <laughs> just give me a call. 
Oh, uh, yeah, we'll let, you know. we'll let you know about that. All right, thank you. <laughs> Dan, I, I respect the, the mind games here. Well, Not you know, only do you, you want to beat him in the fight, you're going to get some well, you, you got to be aggressive. <laughs> you got to be aggressive, you know? I love that. And Dan, Matt is one of us. He's on his fourth cup of coffee already, so. Oh, very nice. Coffee drinker. All right, Dan, question number one for you. How many times did Bob Gibson lead the league in strikeouts? Is it one, two, or three? Ah. Uh... Let's see. It was over 3,000. Two. All right, question number two for you, Dan. Whose dramatic home run caused Cardinal announcer Jack Buck to scream, Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Oh, man. That's a tough one. And- <laughs> He was on our air the other day. I'll go Ozzy Smith. <laughs> All right, Dan. Did you know that it's Paul Goldschmidt's 33rd birthday? I did. Happy birthday to Paul Goldschmidt. He was barbecuing last night. We were texting back and forth. Happy birthday to Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, happy birthday to Paul Goldschmidt. Hopefully he had something awesome on the grill. I hope so. What pitcher did the Cardinals send to the Diamondbacks in that trade for Paul Goldschmidt? Luke Weaver. All right. And the final question for you, Dan. What was the longest playoff drought for the Cardinals since the year 2000? Okay, so the Cardinals, uh, let's see, they were in 2000, 01, 02. So figure this out with me, Michelle. I want okay. you to do the uh, math. You got it. So they were in 2000, 01, 02, mathematically eliminated in the final month of 03. They went 04, 05, 06. So then in um, uh, 04, 05, 06, did not make it 07, did not make it 08. They went in 09, then they did not go 10. They won in, ole- uh, they won in 11, they won 12, uh, they went 13, 14, they went 15, and then 16, 17, 18 did not go. Uh, they did not t- so what is that? So figure that out. What was it? So there was three, right? I think, I think yeah. that's what you had there, Dan. Okay. All right. Well, we have got a winner. We have a winner and still nothing. Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Danny Mac is Megamind 2.0. He's 3-0 so far in the fight this week. Absolutely killing it. Sorry, Matt, he beat you 3-1. to one. Let's run through our answers here. Bob Gibson led the league in strikeouts once. In only that, once? Only I should have known that. I, why, I, I can't believe I didn't know that. 1968. Yeah, that was it. I, I can't believe I, I, I was thinking I'm disappointed in myself. I, I, I should have lost. It's all right. You got the next three right. It's terrible. Jack Buck screamed, go crazy, folks, go crazy on that Ozzy Smith home run. Classic, classic call. It's Paul Goldschmidt's birthday, and the Cardinals sent Luke Weaver to the Diamondbacks in that trade for Goldschmidt. And as Dan counted out there, the longest drought for the Cardinals since 2000 was three years long. Matt, thanks so much for playing, and have a great day at work today. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Enjoyed it. Thank you. You know what, Dan? That was the first question that you've gotten wrong all week i don't think you should beat yourself up about yeah. it you're 11 out of 12 that ain't bad yeah but that's that's bad you got to know that 11 out of 12 man pretty good yeah not be about that three and oh you know you know you're a big win loss guy right for then <laughs> you got to know that i love that you're you're trying to boost the confidence here i'm just trying to be as i'm trying to be his hype man here
I know. I'm just not happy with that. Is that going to sit with you until I, tomorrow? I do, yeah, it is. Because I do know that. I don't know why I messed that up. Anyway. Sometimes when you sit in this chair and you're in the fight, though, you overthink things. I did overthink it. Because I had to take a quiz about the blues, and I was so nervous to go against Randy that I, I couldn't even think straight. I don't want to go head-to-head against Randy because I'd get all of them wrong. Because <laughs> Randy's he's weird. He's weird about trivia because he knows everything. Everything. He's incredible. He yeah. remembers everything. He can remember a moment in a baseball game yeah. 20 years ago in vivid detail. Oh, yeah. He'll remember where he was, who he's sitting next to, oh, yeah. the count, the whole nine yards. We were talking to Dick Vermeil last Friday or the Friday prior. My memory serves right. And he, <laughs> he was literally asking Dick, and Dick asked him back, he goes, what was the score after uh, the first game against the Ravens yeah. or something? He after, knew Randy after the, would know. After the first quarter? <laughs> yeah. A 21 nothing. I'm like, what? Yeah. Randy remembers that stuff. I don't know how or why. Edmonds will ask me things like that about when he was playing. And I do remember, I don't know why, remember games. I I do. I, I do have a memory about baseball games. That I called. That doesn't mean I remember all about the history, but I do. I love Cardinal history. Yeah. I read a lot of books about Cardinal history. And then the evenings with the Cardinals have been really great for me, too. So having a chance to have been around like Red and Lou and Whitey and um, all the different things that we've been able to do and uh, privy to to those. And then I go back and listen to them a lot of times and make notes because sometimes you you'll get stories that you don't normally hear or have been documented in a book or a story or a, a article or those kind of things that come mm-hmm. out differently. And so I'll make notes about that and keep those. That's so, awesome. Yeah, those are different too. Uh, I got to go to a night with the Cardinals that you obviously were Which MC. one were you at? I was at Ted Simmons, and I believe it was Ozzie Smith and Ted last winter. Oh, that was the National Children's Cancer Society. Oh, yes, Society. that's right. That's yeah. right. That's what I was at. And the stories there were unbelievable. They're pretty cool because they get it's a relaxed atmosphere. They know it's not being, well, it is recorded. I record it <laughs> differently, but it's not being put out broadcast, you know, to the general public. And we do that on purpose because we want the people that buy a ticket, this is your night. Mm-hmm. And so they they loosen up and they tell really unique stories. And so those guys are just awesome in those events. And um, it's really, really cool. And so uh, that's why um, I enjoy it. So 314 says, can you throw any more softballs for Danny Mac? Hey, 314, relax. Okay. (laughs) Did you know all the questions? I bet you didn't. Anyway, but yeah, they're they're really cool. They're fun. They're a lot of fun. Speaking of memories, I'm always amazed the way that athletes and coaches can recall plays down to the smallest, smallest detail. Well, Edmonds talks about defensively watching ESPN. He said ESPN helped him. Really? He said ESP when he would watch ESPN, he would watch the highlights and make mental notes of where to play people. Wow. So he said he would watch how pitchers would throw certain hitters. And then doing so, he would position himself defensively on, you know, where, where to shade a guy, right center, left center. And then he knew how a pitcher would throw that particular hitter, hitter and make a mental note of it. And that's how he would position himself. So he'd take in the scouting report, mix in how the guy was throwing him, his own pitcher, and then know his ability with the, the hitter's ability. And then kind of that was his formula. And that, that, that's where he would go. Now, that's amazing to me. That is. That's I mean, so he's, interesting. He's very, very bright when it comes to baseball and in life. Don't get me wrong. But in 
because I don't want to get in trouble. But in <laughs> baseball not. terms, very, very bright. And so that's how certain certain guys are just at a different level in how they think the game. You know, and you would go back to um, I think it was Harold Reynolds taught this this yesterday when he was talking about Tom Seaver. Danny Tartable came up, hit a home run off of, of uh, Tom Seaver, and he said that the next time up, Tom Seaver put one up and in on Danny Tartable because he watched the home run. And this is old school baseball. And he said, then the next pitch, he hit him. And so then they played the White Sox again, like two weeks later, and he hit Danny Tartable. And so Harold said he was doing a round table like 15 years later. And before he could even get the question out on Danny Tartable, he stopped him and he said, oh, Danny Tartable. He goes, yeah, I remember that at bat. And he went like pitch by pitch on the at bat on what he did. Guys don't forget. They remember. They can go pitch by pitch on the at bat on what was happening with that particular individual. They just don't forget. They don't. That's amazing to me because yeah. I forget everything. Uh, a lot of people do, but these guys don't. That's their living. <laughs> yes, it is. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next on Character and Smallman, we're going to switch things up, head to the NFL, and hopefully connect with Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider and the former GM of the New York Jets. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman here with you. Dan McLaughlin is in for Randy Carriker today. The NFL kicks off tonight. Chiefs versus Texans. You can listen to the game right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game starts at 6.30 p.m. Let's head right now to the celebrity open line and welcome in Mike Tannenbaum of ESPN. He's our front office insider and the former GM of the New York Jets. Mike, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to join us. How are you doing today? Great, guys. Good morning. How are you? We're doing well. First first question for you. We have the NFL kicking off tonight, but what kind of quality do you expect this game to be with the lack of preseason games? You know, I think conditioning and tackling are two areas for us to focus on that I think will be a struggle. And I think if we were having this conversation next week, um, there'll be a handful of plays tonight that will be, you know, indicative of, you know, small gains becoming big gains. Because I think these offenses with their incumbents are, you know, out of the defense defenses. When you look at the NFL and they made the bet that they uh, would be somewhat stabilized by the time the season started with COVID-19, do you think they have won that bet or will time tell? What do you think? I'm cautiously optimistic. Look, I think there'll be some bumps in the road. You know, there's too many people and, you know, too many uh, in terms of like traveling parties, you know, big sizes. But overall, I think the league's... Mike, there's so many great storylines heading into this NFL season, and one of the things that we've been looking at here is Joe Burrow obviously making his NFL debut. What's your evaluation of Burrow, and what kind of impact do you think he can make in Cincinnati right away? Yeah, I like him a lot. I think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback. I think he has a chance, in my opinion, more upside than Baker Mayfield. With that said, I think Cincinnati made a mistake. I wouldn't have cut Joe Burrow, I mean uh, Andy Dalton, for this year to give Joe Burrow the best chance to be successful because with this unusual offseason – the very first snap he's going to take is against a really good Charger defense, and I'm not so sure if that's the best chance to put him in uh, to be successful long-term in terms of starting off with some foundation, some success, and um, I think Andy Dalton would have been a great bridge quarterback. Mike, what do you think it's going to be like with no fans? You know, that's so interesting. Um, you know, we're talking about you know, some of these incredible places like Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Seattle and it's going to be weird. Even tonight, you know, Kansas City defending champions, uh, that place is usually rocking. So 
it's going to be unusual for everybody, including uh, what it's like watching a game with no fans. Do you think, though, that the players will be able to adjust with this or and, and also the broadcast themselves, just all of it? What do, you know, how do you think the, the league will adjust to something like this? You know, I'm fortunate to have some relationships in the NBA and just hearing about what's going on in Orlando. They said originally it was a weird, but then after a while, players got caught up in the competition and we're seeing great basketball. And I think we'll see some similarities where things will be a little bit unusual initially, and then we're going to see some really, really good football. ESPN front office insider Mike Tannenbaum here with us on 101 ESPN. Mike, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints have categorized this season as Super Bowl or bust. So if you were a betting man, what do you think? Is it going to be Super Bowl or bust? Oh, it's bust for me because when you're talking about retirement, then you already have. And pro football is a very uh, long season. It's one that's really physical. And I, I know I'm in the minority on this because they're a very popular pick, but uh, the durability and health of somebody like Drew Brees is a concern, especially when we're talking about so many young, talented quarterbacks in the NFC. When you saw $500 million dedicated to, so half a billion dollars dedicated to Patrick Mahomes, and you're a guy that has inked contracts well into the $100 million, what was your take when you saw Patrick Mahomes for that kind of money? Well, if anybody's going to be worth it, it's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a transformational talent. He's a Super Bowl winner. He's young. He's high character. He checks so many boxes. So, to me, makes uh, made a ton of sense. And um, look, we'll see if he earns the whole thing. But if anyone has a chance to make a half a billion dollars, it's Patrick Mahomes. Mike, it's half a billion with a B. I just want to make sure you you got that. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Mike, yeah, it's a lot of money, but 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 again, I think he's worth it. Mike, speaking of contracts, the Rams gave Jalen Ramsey that new deal. And while he's certainly valuable, that's another big contract that they have on the books there. Jared Goff, Aaron Donald, they, of course, had the girly deal. How do you think having all of those big contracts are going to affect the way they construct that team? Yeah, I think it's really going to hurt them, especially when you think about they haven't had a first-round pick in a number of years. And I think they put themselves in a tough situation where they didn't extend Ramsey when they made the trade. And when you give up multiple first-round picks, you give a lot of leverage to the player. And I think it's going to hurt them uh, long term. Mike, what do you think? If Cam Newton is healthy, are the Patriots a playoff team? Absolutely. Uh, I'm so intrigued by Cam Newton with, with the Patriots. If he's healthy, I think they win the division. I think they make noise in the playoffs. And I think if we're uh, having this conversation in a month, we're talking about you know a Cam Newton extension with the Patriots. Are you intrigued with Tom Brady? I am. I think they're going to be a work in progress. I, I don't think... It's going to happen overnight. You know, football is a game of precision and repetition. And, again, similar to Joe Burrow, Tom Brady's first snap is going to be on the road in New Orleans on Sunday. And while I expect them to do really well, I think it's going to be a work in progress. And, you know, playing with Bruce Arians is something he's never done before. So while they look great on paper, I think it's going to take a couple minutes, maybe you know, a quarter of the season for them to find their stride. Is he still elite at this level, though, realistically, at his age? You know, I think that's a fair point. I don't think if he has to be elite. I think he has to be a guy that could play point guard and distribute to an incredibly deep offense. So um, I think he'll be smart. I don't think he'll turn the ball over as much as they've had in the past. And uh, because of that, I think he'll be successful. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum here with us on 101 ESPN. Mike, what was your reaction when you heard the Chicago Bears name Mitchell Trubisky, their starting quarterback? 
I think they got it wrong and for the wrong reasons. Um, I've had the privilege of sitting in that seat a couple times, and uh, when you make a mistake, you got to earn, own it, swallow it, and move on. And you know, we just talked about Tampa Bay. They drafted Jameis Winston. That didn't work out. They moved on. They got Tom Brady, and Trubisky isn't good enough. He hasn't been, and Nick Foles is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, and to me that would have been an easy decision. And ultimately, your locker room holds you accountable. Do you think, Mike, when we look back at this and we don't have all these preseason games that the NFL is going to say, you know what, do we really need these preseason games? Now, money aside, it's a money-generating sport. Everybody knows that. But from the physical aspect of this, they're going to say, you know what, this might be a good thing, a blessing in disguise. Boy, uh, you know, no, maybe it's not perfect, but I think some preseason games are going to be necessary, guys. And maybe moving forward, it won't look exactly the same as it once was, but we do need some preseason games. And again, I think if we're speaking on Tuesday, we're going to see some really unusual things starting tonight in terms of quality of play. ESPN front office, NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum here with us on 101 ESPN. And Mike, this morning I was reading an article about Ben Roethlisberger, and he said he was really nervous heading into this season that he was actually going to be shaking like a leaf when he hit the field for the first time. And he obviously underwent that season-ending elbow surgery last September. So what sort of level of play do you expect, expect out of Ben Roethlisberger? Do you expect him to be the classic Big Ben, or do you think it's going to take some time for him to get there? I think it's definitely going to take some time. Again, he's 38 years old, coming off of major surgery, and a little bit like Drew Brees, he, he's close to the end. He, these guys have had great careers, money, fame, championships. Um, but if I was in the uh, AFC North, he'd be the fourth quarterback for me. Those other three are young, they're talented, they're hungry. Um, I don't see the same old Ben this year. Mike, who's a team that you think is going to be surprisingly good this season? Um, well, if Tennessee is a surprise, it would be Tennessee. But I think New England because the expectations aren't there. Um, I like Dallas because they have so many good young weapons. I think they're going to get better and better. So I don't know if those are surprises, but those are the teams I like. And, Mike, before we let you go, Super Bowl favorites. Uh, I'm going to go with a repeat. I'm going to go with San Francisco and Kansas City just because um, returning quarterbacks, play callers, coaches, uh, depth. So those are the two teams I like. That's Mike Tannenbaum, former GM of the New York Jets and ESPN NFL front front office insider. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us today. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And don't forget, it is Chiefs versus Texans tonight, the NFL season opener. You can listen to the game right here on 101 ESPN. We have pregame for you starting at 630. It's 856 in the morning here on Carriker and Smallman. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And coming up next, we're going to head back to the celebrity line. We have another guest coming up. It's Dan Dickerson, the Tigers radio play-by-play voice. He's with us next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 9.02 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Character is on vacation today. Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest. And, of course, the host of Scoops with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN is sitting in for Randy. The Cardinals have a doubleheader today versus the Tigers. So let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in the radio play-by-play play-by-play voice of the Tigers. Dan Dickerson is with us. Good Dan, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today. 
Absolutely. Love talking baseball with you guys. Well, Dan, last night the Tigers-Brewers, the Brewers really handed it to the Tigers 19 to nothing. How are they going to be able to turn the page mentally from that one? <laughs> you know, they had a couple of really tough losses in Minnesota. I think those are tougher to come back from uh, than a 19 nothing loss. You just write it off, you move on, and uh, don't worry about it because you got a road. Still, the rotation is pretty Pretty exciting to watch with the young kids that have joined it. So, yeah, I think it's actually easier than the tough losses they, they've had in Minnesota. Hey, Dan, always great to hear your voice. Dan McLaughlin here. Um, the Tigers lost 114 last year, but yet you're still in the conversation during a 60-game season uh, to potentially make a run. You never know. How would you summarize what's happened this year with the Detroit Tigers? Boy, a lot has happened, Dan. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. amazing. I mean, a couple losses to two starters in the rotation were actually important for the development of the Tigers. You know, the strength of their farm system is starting pitching. And those two injuries to Nova and Zimmerman got Scoobal and Mize, two of the top prospects in baseball, a chance to make some starts. They've been up and down, but Scoobal, you'll see him today. It's electric dynamite stuff. Mize has struggled a little bit more than Scoobal has, but they're both premium prospects. So that, to me, is one of the biggest developments. But the other thing is, everybody was wondering, where would the position players come from in the years ahead, other than by adding free agents? And some kids have stepped up in a big way from the farm system, either a guy that we've had, like Candelario, who's been on fire since the beginning of August. They knew he could hit, but he really hadn't for a year and a half. And Willie Castro has come up and done just a fantastic job, now filling in at short, but Goodrum was there. Goodrum got hurt, created an opportunity. Willie Castro's hitting 360, and it seems like he's hitting, you know, at least two line drives, singles, doubles every day. So those are the things that you're looking for, development of the young players in a year where there is no minor league in a farm system that is now ranked, I think, consensus top five in all of baseball. So there's been a lot going on, but a lot of youth right now, both on the position player side and the pitching side. The bullpen is also very young. <laughs> Dan, what are the expectations for Zimmerman after he's returning from the injured list with that forearm strain? Uh, great question. <laughs> I think, you know, he's built up to 60 pitches. As you guys know, those inter-squad games, it's really hard to get to where you want to be just pitching inter-squad games. But he has built it back up. Um, he's going to get probably, what, three or four starts, maybe. But right now, because they are committed to Michael Fulmer making his three-inning starts, coming back from Tommy John, and they're committed to Scooble and Mize, the kids, there really isn't a spot in the rotation for him unless, unless there's another injury. So expectation would be try to give us some decent innings. Starting pitching has been the problem this year for the Tigers. Beyond Michael Fulmer only going three innings, the other starters are barely averaging not even five innings a start this year. Uh, so he will probably fit in in a long relief role, I would think, after today, because as of the moment, there are no more doubleheaders scheduled. We had the chance here in St. Louis to watch uh, a great right-handed hitter, one of the best ever in Albert Pujols. You have had the chance to watch one of the great right-handed hitters ever in Miguel Cabrera. Where is he at now in his career? Well, you know, the last three years he's been dealing with injuries. He could, uh, he struggled, let's face it. I mean, his OPS has fallen from consistently over 900 to about 750 the last three years. So I really, you know, every year you can get fooled, but truly he did make changes in his offseason. And they told him he had to. You've got you to lose weight. You've got to change your offseason workout to protect your deteriorating right. That right knee is not going to get any better, but you can make it better by building up your strength in it. So he did. He did a lot of things 
that made you think, okay, maybe he can get back to a level, maybe not where he was, but approaching it this year. And I do the shutting down hurt him maybe as much as anybody because we saw him in spring. Garrett Cole on a day when he was pumping 97. Miguel hit two bombs to center field. I mean, he crushed it. Two home runs against Garrett Cole on a day when he was throwing 97. So I'm thinking, okay, the power is going to return this year. He can hit for average, but now the power might return. And I think the shutdown maybe affected him more than anybody. He just lost the timing of his swing. Joe Bob has talked a lot about it, trying to sink the upper half with the lower half. I do think it's still in there. I don't think we're going to see it this year. He's a guy who's still hitting a lot of line drives, but now you're seeing a guy who can probably hit 300 the rest of the way, but without much power. Dan Dickerson, the Tigers radio play-by-play voice here with us on 101 ESPN. And Dan, the AL Central has been really, really competitive this year. In your opinion, who do you think is going to win the division? Great question, since they're all separated by, what, a half game, or at least they were when I left the ballpark last night. Uh, I've got to go with Chicago, even though this is a team that's been below 500 for a while and has to learn how to win, they've impressed the heck out of me. I just think they've got more in all the areas than the other two teams, Cleveland and Minnesota. They've got more offense. They can bond them. Their starting pitching is good enough. Dylan Cease is a kid who's come along a long way in the last two years. We've seen him twice this year. It's a dynamite right arm. He adds a lot to that rotation. Giolito's been fantastic. They get one more guy to step in and be a be a solid force in that rotation. The rotation's good enough to make a postseason run. And they've got some kids in the bullpen, big arms who are performing. And I just think they've got the, the balance, the depth in all areas uh, to take the division. Obviously, it's going to be close, but I think the White Sox are going to take it. I don't know about you. I'm just happy there's baseball back, so I don't care if they ask me to do games uh, in chin. So uh, I'm happy to do it wherever they tell me to do it, so I get to do it on TV. You do it on radio. You've done it on TV. What, what's it been like for you to call the games wherever they ask you to call the games? Well, I mean, of course, I agreement with you 100%. I was walking out the door today, and I, I was thinking, you know, I do just love what I do. I love calling baseball games. Even in this strange year, I miss the fans. But still, calling a game, as I'm sure you found, Dan, it's still fun. It's still fun to try to figure things out and what's going right with this guy, what's going wrong with that guy, what do they have here. All of that, to me, is just a, a lot of fun. I miss the daily conversations that we used to have every day when you just, you know, happenstance run into a guy and have a nice conversation about whatever the topic might be that day. So calling it off a monitor, I've called all the games on the road off a monitor. I went to Cleveland for one series, but that's probably the only one I'll, I'll go to on the road. I don't like it. I've gotten used to it. Those who have listened, uh, who've given me feedback, say it sounds the same. Sounds like you're at the game. Well, that's good. Uh, it's just, ah, I miss it. I want to feel the game. I want to throw open that window and feel the ballpark and feel the, even in an empty stadium, I want to be there. So I've gotten used to it. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. I hope it's only this year. And uh, But the, the joy of calling a game is still there, I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, how's Kirk Gibson doing? He's great. He he is just one of the best. I, I just love the guy. He's he came in the booth the other day. We were just talking. He's always fired up. He's always got something on his mind. He just sees the game at a different level than any of us do. He just thinks the game. I, I love his brain and how it, how it works and his health. I, you know, 
he's not going to let Parkinson's beat him. He's gonna, his determination is to beat Parkinson's, and he looks great, sounds great, and uh, it's just whenever he's around the ballpark, you know you're going to have a good conversation about baseball with him. That's awesome news. Thanks, Dan. You bet. Thanks so much for the time, Dan. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. That's Dan Dickerson, the Tigers radio play-by-play voice. And the Cardinals and Tigers have a doubleheader today. Dan McLaughlin will be on the call for Fox Sports Midwest. And the first game starts at 1.15. We will head right back to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line coming up next and talk a little hockey with Scott Burnside of The Athletic. So he's next. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin and for Randy Carriker today, I'm Michelle Smallman. And let's head back to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in Scott Burnside, a national NHL writer for The Athletic. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing today? Doing very well. Uh, hard to believe that we are post-Labor Day and <laughs> right in the midst of the conference final and a draft now about four weeks away and free agency. It's uh, well, as we know, for a long time, the world's been on its ear, but certainly in the hockey world, uh, it, it definitely is that. You're right, Scott, and I, I kind of want to project for a little bit, a little bit at the beginning here. I know that you had Bill Daly, the NHL's deputy commissioner, on your two-man advantage podcast, and there's a lot of factors still at play here, but what can you tell us about what he revealed about what the league is thinking as far as logistics are concerned for next season? Yeah, I, it, it was interesting to to hear Bill Daly, you know, try and unpack some of the things that uh, are now in front of the NHL and, and and the NHLPA as well. Of course, those two groups working in lockstep to come up with a protocol and a return to play plan that, you know, at this stage has been almost flawless. You know, the two bubble cities and getting uh, to this point of the playoffs and and with awarding a Stanley Cup now definitely on the horizon without any real significant problems as it relates to the COVID-19 pandemic, Uh, a remarkable achievement. But I think what I took from Bill was when we start to look at what does the 2020-21 season look like, uh, it is a whole other set of challenges because you're not just talking about that sort of narrow window of, okay, you start with 24 teams, Two cities. How could you, how could you schedule it and work it so that you could award a Stanley Cup? But then now we're talking about 31 teams. The league would very much like to play a, uh, a 2021 season with 82 games. Uh, it checks a lot of boxes on a number of different levels in terms of revenues, in terms of uh, the expiration of the national deal with NBC next season. Um, so there, that's still the goal, but <clears throat> there are so many variables now. When you start to talk about uh, the fact that you can, you know, the border between Canada and the U.S. remains closed. And I think a lot of people believe that border will be closed until the end of the calendar year. How do you work that in? How do you schedule those games? How can teams travel? Will they be able to travel? More importantly, I think, in terms of revenue and in terms of actual uh, setting in stone, what might happen is when or if fans will be allowed into NHL buildings and what we're seeing with the NFL is that 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 question may be answered in different ways in different cities in different regions 
uh, given the the health um, requirements in in different parts of of the United States geographically and certainly north of the border in Canada. So I guess the bottom line is that it, there's still so much uncertain about what lies ahead. The idea that training camps could start November 17th and a season starting December 1st, as was sort of penciled in early in the going, I think that Bill Daly was, was very honest about it. And I think a lot of people around the game also believe the same thing, that that is unlikely to happen and that we're just going to have to wait and see what um, what the landscape looks like in a month or six weeks and then go from there. We know, Scott, that it's huge, huge for all these sports to have fans in their venues because it's a revenue uh, generator. But for hockey specifically, as compared to the other sports, it's massive because of the TV contracts. Can they... Um, move forward without fans in their venues because they got, what, 85 90% of their season in with fans in the stands. If they start and don't have fans in the stands, can they realistically move forward next season? Yeah, I, I don't think you can. I, I, I think I, I think the reality is, well, and, and Bill Daly was, was also very candid about this, I think, this notion that, you know, could you go back to a bubble system? Could you have four or let's call it six bubble sites that, them up in the same way you know the protocols now you know what works but could you do that and run an 82 game schedule and i've talked to a couple of owners and and team presidents i don't believe it's viable and bill daly i think would said basically the same thing certainly as it relates to an 82 game schedule you could not do it that way um i think when you talk to owners that the idea of having a, a full 82-game schedule without fans in the building is is a non-starter. It makes no sense economically. Uh, I'm not, you know, the, the gives that you would have to ask from the players in terms of climb back salary, uh, I just don't see how it happens that way. And so I think what people are looking at is, could you do things on a stopgap measure? Could you use a series of bubble cities for a short period of time until you felt you could get fans back in stadiums. And then the issue is going, you know, are you ever going to be, or at what point, you know, are you going to have 50% occupancy? I talked to someone who said, if you followed social distancing, that that maybe you're looking at 2,500 or 3,000 people in an 18 or 19,000 seat arena to keep social distancing um, uh, measurements. So it, that's not, that doesn't make sense either because I think you probably need probably 10,000 people in your buildings to be approaching a break-even point. So, uh, again, so many questions about not just when fans can go back, but how many, how will fans pay money to come back and, and see hockey games, uh, just a lot of things up in the air, and I think it really is too optimistic to suggest that we're going to see NHL regular season hockey back in early December. I think it's more likely we'll be back into, you know, looking at January of 2021 and then and, and going from there. National NHL writer for The Athletic, Scott Burnside, is with us here on 101 ESPN. And Scott, we want to ask you a little bit about the Blues, obviously. Do you think the Blues and Alex Petrangelo find a way to get that deal done and keep Petro here in St. Louis? Yeah, I mean, well, again, it's such a the whole landscape is is shot through with with uncertainty because we don't know what lies ahead. We do know the cap is gladdened to be from that eighty one point five million dollars 
for the foreseeable future. I, I think there are people who believe that it's going to take two to three years for the NHL to rebound from um, the, the economic issues brought up COVID-19. So how does that relate to a guy like Alex Petrangelo, who is hitting the open market as an unrestricted free agent? Um, I think for all UFAs, especially elite players like Alex Petrangelo, Tori Krug in that group, probably Taylor Hall as well, maybe you're not going to see the kinds of deals that you might have seen for those kinds of players two or three years ago, but there still is going to be great demand for them. And I think the issue is, you know, where what does Alex Petrangelo want for himself, for his family, um, and and where does that fit for the Blues? I and mean, we talk about home ca- hometown discounts. Um, I think it's obvious if he stays in St. Louis, it's probably going to be at a lesser dollar amount um, and maybe you massage that with a longer term. Um, but certainly he would probably make more money by going to the open market. Um, but uh, I know my sense is he would love to stay in St. Louis. I know that he's beloved there. I talked to Darren uh, Pang on uh, our podcast earlier this pause. You know, you know, he talked about Alex Petrangelo as being one of those players who, who could see him you know, have a statue out in front of uh, of the arena in downtown St. Louis. That's not a, a that's not an insignificant thing when you're talking about a, a legacy. So, I think there is a way to do it. I guess for me, the other question is, with the unknown or the uncertainty surrounding Vladimir Tarasenko, we know he's going to have a third shoulder surgery. Um, does that impact what GM Doug Armstrong needs to do in terms of rebuilding this team back to a Stanley Cup contender? Um, does he need to focus on adding offense? as opposed to focusing only on, well, he's not going to focus only, but instead of the focus being on Petrangelo, the defense is probably the team's absolute strong uh, suit right now. And you've already extended Justin Falk at the beginning of last season. So I, I wonder if those are factors that will also play into, you know, as we get closer and closer to free agency, which should start, I believe, now October 9th, um, a, a lot of balls in the air. Um, I, you know, my sense is that Alex Petrangelo would like to remain a blue. Um, it, it, there is some definite, um, you know, there is a lot of things to consider from both sides of this um, before it, it becomes a reality. Really, other realistic options that he has in terms of teams that he could go to? Well, I tell you, there are a couple, and certainly the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, you know, it's a team that. Uh, has been connected to Alex Petrangelo and social media in various hypotheses uh, for quite some time now. We know that Kyle Dubas, the GM in Toronto, has already moved some cap space uh, by spend, uh, sending Kasperi Kapanen into Pittsburgh for uh, first-round pick and some prospects. We know that Tyson Berry will not be coming back, a right-handed shot defenseman who was supposed to fill a giant void on that side of the blue line for the Leafs. I'm not sure they have enough cap space for Alex Petrangelo, uh, but I think that's an obvious fit there. You know, the team that I heard a lot of discussion about, uh, and even around the time I was in St. Louis for All-Star last year, you know, what about Vegas, uh, a team that is a popular place for free agents to go to? It's well-built. It's uh, We know for sure they're uh, a perennial Stanley Cup contender. Now, they acquired Alex Martinez, who's a right-handed shot, has another year left on his deal. But I do, my sense is that was a potential landing spot, uh, at least in theory, for uh, Alex Petrangelo. I'm not sure if that's still the case, given all the other factors, but I would look at uh, at Vegas possibly as a place that might be of interest to Alex or might be interested in Alex. 
National NHL writer for The Athletic, Scott Burnside. Be sure to check out all of his great work at The Athletic. He has a great piece up about NHL offseason priorities from all 31 teams and, of course, his two-man advantage podcast, as we mentioned. Scott, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Anytime. All right. Well, coming up next, there have been some changes coming to youth sports this fall here in St. Louis. Dan and I are going to talk about that with Jim Powers, who covers high school sports here in St. Louis for Fox 2. And we will break down everything we can expect with him coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is on vacation today. Dan McLaughlin sitting in for Randy. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in Jim Powers. He covers high school sports in St. Louis, Fox 2 high school sports contributor, and ask him about all the changes coming to youth sports this fall. Jim, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's been a crazy uh, 24 hours, to say the least, uh, with all the high school stuff that uh, came down early yesterday morning. So, you know, it's been pretty crazy and pretty wild, but everything is going well. Well, Jim, yeah, take us through your past 24 hours. We know that St. Louis County Executive Sam Page announced these changes at a press conference yesterday. But can you take us through the changes that he outlined? Basically, uh, you know, the teams have been stuck in phase two in what they've been calling it. And so they've only been allowed that practice with 20 players uh, per practice and coaches and no contact, no, you know, no winter squad scrimmages, nothing along those lines. And that's for the high impact sports. Uh, so part of the um, announcement yesterday was they moved soccer, volleyball, field hockey, down to what they call a moderate level. They kept football and wrestling and hockey and basketball at the high-risk level, and then the low-risk sports are, you know, the the typical golf, tennis, cross-country, swim and dive, and those types of sports. So the announcement yesterday put football on the hot seat because now we don't know if there's going to be high school sports uh, for high school football in St. Louis County, because now the kids, the coaches can only have 30 kids at a given practice. They still can't, enter, they can start doing a little contact work, but still not a lot of inter squad scrimmaging. Um, no games, no fans, no spectators, no parents are a lot of practices and different things along those lines. The moderate level sports can have full team practices, inter squad scrimmages, but still no games. Um, the biggest takeaway was there wasn't a timeline put out. So really, nobody knows exactly when the restrictions are going to get, you know, kind of eased a little bit. Um, but the lower risk sports can actually start playing games starting tomorrow. So there was a little bit of a, a shift on things. But the overall consensus is, you know, the biggest questions are, why wasn't there a timeline put out? But the other question is the data. Uh, you know, the task force, the sports medicine task force has done a terrific job. And the ADs and coaches have just done an unbelievable job in keeping the kids safe, setting up the protocols, doing everything they need to do. And there hasn't been one athlete-to-athlete transmission uh, that's been documented and reported in St. Louis County. So nobody really understands why this is all coming out, and especially St. Charles is playing football. Jefferson County's playing football. Franklin County's playing football. 
And it's really driving a lot of people insane because everybody else in the state's doing it except for St. Louis County. So what's the reaction, Jim? Good to hear your voice of those coaches and ADs as they got the word yesterday. Uh, Danny, great to hear you as well, buddy. Uh, frustrated. Uh, that That is the biggest word that I've heard in all my conversations over the last 24 hours is, you know, they've all worked very hard to develop the protocols and do the different things that, you know, the sports medicine task force has, you know, doctors, trainers, people that are dealing with this on a daily basis. And, you know, they, there were a few of their recommendations that were taken, but a lot of the other recommendations weren't. Um, and the data isn't adding up between the sports medicine task force and the, you know, what the county is saying with the 15 to 19 year old positivity rates. So I think a lot of the coaches in eighties are just extremely frustrated. I know the kids are, um, for a lot, on a lot of different levels. The first level is for a lot of these kids, it's killing their scholarship opportunities. Um, for some, this is their chance to make it better life for themselves. Some of them can't afford to go to college unless they get a scholarship. And now a lot of these kids aren't going to have tape. They're not going to have a chance to show their abilities to college coaches and different things along those lines. But the other part of it too, is the mental side of it. Um, These kids lost their spring sports. Now they're possibly going to lose the fall sports and they're stuck learning in a virtual environment in front of a laptop, you know, four or five hours a day. And it drives me, it drives you crazy. I mean, and these kids had at least something to look forward to, but now with no games and just practices, you know, what is there to really look forward to? So there's a lot of different layers to this whole thing, but you know, the main word is frustrated right now. Jim Powers is with us here on 101 ESPN covering high school sports here in St. Louis. Fox 2 high school sports contributor. And Jim, you outlined what the athletic departments are dealing with, how the students feel about this. I can imagine after you just went through everything that these students are dealing with, that the reaction from the parents has been pretty vocal as well, too. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the parents want the kids to play. And the one thing that, that I just keep thinking about and I circle back to is, I think you've got to put some responsibility on the parents and decision-making to the parents, to the coaches, to the athletic directors, and to the superintendents. And with the announcement yesterday, you in essence took all that decision-making away from those people and put it squarely on a few people. And the parents don't think that's right. Um, You know, and the one thing they could have green-lighted everything yesterday But there still may have been some superintendents that just weren't comfortable yet. There could be some parents that just aren't comfortable, you know, with with letting their son or daughter play a sport right now. That's fine. Let the parents, let the schools make those decisions. And that's, you know, where the parents are circling around right now is, you know, these are our kids. We know our kids better than you do. Let us make the decisions on what we feel is best for our, you know, for our kids. And, that's where the parents are really being vocal right now. And plus, once again, they've been locked up, cooped up, you know, for the last six months now. We're going on six months with this. Um, you know, there's got to be a point to where we understand what COVID-19 is all about. And it's not going to go away. We have to learn to live with it. We have to learn to deal with it and keep everybody safe and do the proper things. And 
I think that's kind of been lost in the shuffle a little bit. So is there a timetable in which he will make another decision and the task force on this? And what are the teams doing now? Do they continue to practice? Yeah, the, there's no timeline right now. I know that the Sports Medicine Task Force is going to continue to meet every Tuesday. They are going to continue to monitor. They are going to continue to make recommendations. Uh, but, you know, Dr. Page has not put a timeline down on anything. And when you look at it realistically, you have to be in full pads, doing full team practices for football in the next two weeks. If you're not, you're not going to get a, a full seat. You're not even going to get four games in because uh, you're not going to probably be able to start until October 9th. And at that point, high school football is in week eight. Um, so, you know, right now the teams are practicing. They're still doing their, con- you know, conditioning. They're putting in um, – helmets and, and uh, pads on, starting to do a little contact drills. The volleyball teams are able to do at least some team practices. Same thing with softball, uh, same thing with, you know, field hockey and soccer. But right now it's just practice, holding pattern, and hopefully in the next 14 days that maybe some more, you know, restrictions will be eased and maybe the moderate risk sports are going to be able to play at the beginning of October. But football I, I hate to say it. I think football's on life support right now. I, I really think they have to make some big decisions in the next 14 days um, to loosen everything up to be able to let these kids play football. Are the coaches trying to send out tape on these kids, doing something that they can do in practice, anything they can do to help these kids? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the, the big thing with the recruiting side of it is the coaches are doing everything they can and the college coaches are also in the same boat. I mean, they just got a lot of their recruiting restrictions lifted by the NCAA. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to this. Recruiting is going to be a totally different animal this year. Um, you're going to be watching a lot of film. You're going to be watching a lot of different things, some more one-on-one drills and some more individual stuff. And so the coaches are working really hard on that aspect of it just in case they're not able to play games, they're not able to get tape, um, you know, for right now. And then hopefully in the spring, they're able to play some football. They're able to do some different things and get a little bit more film for these juniors and sophomores that are going to be up and coming. Has anybody been able to directly talk to Sam Page about this? You know, people have tried. Um, I will say that the task force, the, the sports medicine task force has asked him to sit in on their meetings and he is not. Um, so that kind of tells you right there, you know, where this whole thing is going. Um, I just don't think that Dr. Page, I understand that he wants to keep everybody safe. We get it. We all understand that. We all want to keep the kids safe, but there's a lot more into this when, with the mental aspect of it for these kids and different things along those lines. And I really don't think that Dr. Page understands all of that that goes into what high school sports is all about and what especially football is all about. Football is a sport that creates leaders, that, that gets you disciplined and different things along those lines. It really helps you evolve into being, you know, the person that you're going to be as an adult. And I just don't think he's addressing that. And I know that, you know, people have tried to talk to him about it, but he's not talking to anybody about it. Great information, Jim. Thanks so much for taking the time to join join Dan and I today. We appreciate it. No problem. Anytime, guys. And it's great to hear the show. And uh, Danny, take care of yourself. Michelle, take care of yourself.
Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Jim. That's Jim Powers, who covers high school sports here in St. Louis, Fox 2 high school sports contributor. Coming up next here on Carriker and Smallman, we have some information about baseball and the potential postseason bubble. We're going to give you all that info next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin in for Randy Carriker who is on vacation, hanging out, a little staycation here in St. Louis. It's 9.50. But you know he's listening. Oh, of course. Of course he's listening. I was texting with him throughout the week. I'm sure you have been, too. He only sent me one text about a guy that, um, and it wasn't during the fight, because you know he would have <laughs> won the fight, but he was texting about something else. But, yeah, you know he's listening, because he, he's a nerd. He sent me a text because he and I had our cutouts in the stands at Bush Stadium. Oh, <laughs> and he, of course, paused it and took a photo, so that was I cool did get that text, too. Yeah, yeah, he's watching the games, but you know he's listening to the show. Of course, probably on a bike ride or playing some yeah. golf. Yeah. So thanks, Randy, for listening. We appreciate you. Yeah. It's 9.51, that time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Dan, some news coming out of Major League Baseball. Bob Nightingale has it at USA Today that Major League Baseball and the Players Union are moving towards an agreement for the final three rounds of the postseason with the entire World Series to be played at a neutral site. Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas would stage the World Series as well as the NLCS. And it looks like the other option, as I scroll down here, would be Petco Park will host the ALCS. Yeah, I think you have to do it because there's so much money on the line um i had brought this up before any of the reports were starting to come out because it's just too much common sense with that because this is prior to the cardinals getting hit with covid it was right around when miami got hit with it and i was just thinking man the whole point of the season was just to get to postseason play we heard how much money was on the line for the the sport and how much money um postseason play would make the sport and i thought well you're seeing the nba and the nhl do this bubble why aren't we looking at mlb at that point you know you've got a bunch of the teams eliminated uh that w- so fewer bodies to to worry about literally you know mm-hmm. f- the 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 players are back with their families um and y- you've got to keep people safe so why not just figure out a neutral site try to bubble it up as much as you can and as Again, you can't make it exactly perfect, I don't think, because these guys aren't going to be completely isolated, I wouldn't think. I mean, literally, I think in one of the spots, like in Edmonton, there was a fence around the rink. I wouldn't think they'd be able to do that. But again, I don't know. We're in 2020. Anything's possible, I guess. (laughs) But, um, you know, you try to make it as safe as possible and, and tighten it up as much as possible and make sure you play those games because the money is just too great. I mean, that's the the whole point of this deal has been, I think, number one, to give fans an enjoyment, make sure the sport wasn't out of sight, out of mind for 17 months. And yes, there is going to be a loss of revenue for the owners, but players are going to make some money. But the number one thing was to make sure you had it for your fans. So you've had that and it's been great. I think it hasn't been ideal, but it's been great to be able to talk about it. We as fans have enjoyed it. It's Cardinal baseball back. And then as from the business side is to making sure that you got postseason playback. You got the playoffs there and that's where they're going to make their money because of postseason revenue with TV. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to do this. So you you have your first round, and then once you get into the NLCS and you get into the ALCS, you get into the World Series, and you make sure sure it goes off without a a hitch, it makes a lot of sense to to do this. And from the player's side of things, if you can make it to where your families are a part of that bubble and there's not complete isolation away from your kids and your wife, 
then yeah, let, let's let's do it and get it get it done without a hitch. Yeah, that's always the difficult part. Yeah, if you're for involved, sure. That you don't want to be separated from your families. But to your point, if you've gotten to this point in the season and you see, okay, we see the finish line and yeah. we know that for the fans, for the TV revenue, for the championship that's at stake, we must protect it at all costs. Well, can you imagine, though, going into um, a situation where you're in the American League Championship Series and or the NLCS or whatever, and all of a sudden you have an outbreak. No. It would be it would be just a nightmare for the team and uh, for the individuals. Obviously, health is number one. But, I mean, just for the sport in general, it would be a nightmare. Right. be awful. I mean, you'd have to cancel maybe the season because who knows when you'd be able to come back and then the team is compromised or you'd have to call up guys from the alternate site and they're minor league players. That, that's not in that's not ALCS. what you want. Yeah, that, That'd be a nightmare for the sport. So you can't have that. So this is a way to protect yourself. I think you go ahead and do it. I think you do too. Well, Dan, it's been a fun three hours, but yeah. you have another hour here coming up. What do we have on Scoops with Danny Mac? Brad Thompson. So we'll preview what's going on with the doubleheader down at the ballpark again at early start. Scott, uh, you were doing the updates. Tell me when we start. We have 115, right? <laughs> 115, buddy. Yeah. 115, 12.30 pregame on Fox Sports Midwest. We have both games on television, so we're going to preview what's coming up with Flaherty and Gomber making those starts. So we'll talk it over with Brad Thompson and all kinds of goodies coming up. That sounds great. We will be tuned in. Thanks so much, Dan. We'll see you tomorrow. You got it. See you then. Scott Manziera, our producer. Great work today, as always. Thank you, Michelle. Again, 9.55. Dan and I will be back in action with you tomorrow. But until then, stay tuned to 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac is next here on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.